Hello, hello, and thanks for tuning in. It was important to me to carve out some time to do an on-the-fly, hurry-up, get-it-out-on-the-airwaves emergency Saturday message because things are changing so fast. News is breaking at a pace that's fast, and frankly, it's not good news. My goal in doing this, as I've said before, is not to make you feel paranoid or to stir up a spirit of fear. We don't want to live like Chicken Little and assume that the sky is falling or that the zombie apocalypse is about to happen. But we also don't want to bury our heads in the sand either and just play pretend that a bull market or the great resignation is going to last forever. I really think that the tide is turning and it's important for you to be prepared. Not panicked, but prepared. I have been trying on my blog as well as in these podcast episodes and anytime I hear from a journalist who wants a quote from me or they want an interview with me, I have been trying to wave this banner. And I understand, believe me, if I sound a little bit like a a doomsday prepper as it relates to the job market, that's fine. I'm willing to wear that badge without uh, any embarrassment whatsoever. It's not about panic, it's about preparation. It's not about predicting that the world is about to end extreme gloom and doom. The ground is shifting beneath our feet. And some of the people who listened to this podcast were not out in the workforce during the global financial crisis slash Great Recession of 08 through 2010. That was a tough freaking time. And I I'm just looking at the situation we have now and juxtaposing it with what it was like then, the high gas, the inflation, having to develop a budget and stick to it and just do whatever you could to survive. You know, it was a little bit like that, the the, the poster of the cat that's like hanging there, uh, only a lot less fun. I mean, you just you dug your claws into whatever your situation was and you did what you had to do to survive. And one of the things that worries me is we're coming off of such a hot streak where employees and job seekers held all the cards and they could hold fast and hold the line to whatever it was that they wanted. And the employers had to either say, no, we can't do that and walk away or they had to pony up. But the job seekers had so many options that it's like, hey, if you don't want to give me a 30% pay bump to walk in the door, I just won't. If you don't want to let me work from home every day, then I'll just find someone who will. My concern here is that as the market changes, corporate America is going to set forth a list of demands that's going to look totally different from what we've experienced during the Great Resignation. And I just don't want anybody to be caught off guard. I feel like, not to toot my own horn, but I feel like if you read my blog posts, if you follow me on LinkedIn, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already a cut above the average person that's just stuck in normalcy bias, or they have on such insane rose-colored glasses that they're just not in tune to reality. So kudos to you for that. And if there's anybody in your life that you feel like, oh, This person thinks the great resignation is going to go on forever. They're just going to job hop perpetually and just make more money and more money and more money and more money. And there's just never going to be another recession. Feel free to forward this podcast episode to them. And maybe we can make some headway together because it's getting dicey out there. I mean, I'm recording this on Friday night and in taking a look at the side panel, 
of my LinkedIn news, I just want to read the snippets to you. Job growth slows in May. Time to ditch single-family homes. Eating out will cost you more. Amazon workers tracked to the minute. Musk cuts to affect salaried workers. Pulled job offers shock tech workers. Even Sheryl Sandberg was burned out. Loom, another unicorn, reveals layoffs. U.S. monkeypox cases on the rise. Policy genius cuts 25% of staff. It wasn't that long ago that the idea of layoffs, hiring freezes, and rescinded offers seemed unfathomable, especially in the ah, the ever-so-glorious tech sector, right? Remember the government saying if you've been made obsolete or you have been told that you're in a non-essential line of work, learn to code, ha-ha? And who's laying off now? Tech companies. I mean, does that not worry anybody else? Because I'm looking at this going, this is not... This is not a good sign. This is not a good sign. And then when you look at the overlay of where homes are grossly and egregiously overpriced now compared to what it was like in 2007, the maps are virtually identical. Does that not scare anybody else? I mean, when you think about people who have gotten into these homes at exorbitant prices, the property taxes are going to go up, the homeowner's insurance, flood insurance, etc., going to all go up. What if they get laid off? When you look at the number of households in America living paycheck to paycheck and how few people have enough in their savings account to ride out even a minor emergency of, let's say, $500 or less, what are these people going to do? And believe me, I understand this notion of, well, we'll just continue to mutiny. You know, if Elon Musk says, come back to Tesla or there's the door, I want everybody but in seat in the digital panopticon or it's your job, we'll just assume that you don't want to be here anymore and you'll be terminated. Uh, believe me, guys, I've seen every recruiter that wants to grab a little bit of flash in the pan credibility on LinkedIn going, well, they'll just all resign. My company's happy to hire all these Tesla refugees. You just come on over to us. And it's like, really? Really? And how long is that going to last? I, I know that it's not in my nature to get on these broadcasts and to sound pessimistic. It's like Tony Robbins says, you don't go out to your garden, see weeds, and say, there are no weeds, there are no weeds, la, 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 la. You stoop down and you pull the weeds. Now, you don't have to focus on the weeds to the exclusion of seeing that you have beautiful tomatoes and peppers and melons and carrots and cucumbers. Like, you don't want to focus just on the bad. But it does you no good to say there are no weeds, right? I mean, if you get on LinkedIn and you see this side panel and you go, oh, well, there are no layoffs. There are no hiring freezes. There are no rescinded offers. What planet are you living on? I mean, it, it, wake up, 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 up. Earlier today, I got a news notification on my phone from, I think it was Bloomberg. I'll drop a link to it in the write-up for this episode so you can read it for yourself. You can see that I'm not exaggerating anything here. And the headline was, Corporate America Turns Up Volume on Warnings About Economy. The bylines read, long ways to go to fight inflation, RH CEO tells investors. Retailers caution piles on warnings from bank CEOs this week. 
I want to read a little bit of this for you now. Corporate America is ratcheting up its warnings about the U.S. economy. Executives from Jamie Dimon and Elon Musk to Gary Friedman, the head of furniture retailer RH, all cautioned investors this week to be wary of an economic downturn. After months of strong consumer spending and supply chain improvements, <laughs> and that's maybe a little dubious, but okay, supply chain improvements, some of the country's most outspoken corporate leaders have started intensifying alarms about decades-high inflation and impending interest, ha- interest rate hikes, excuse me, end quote. So I'm going to break in here long enough to say that you know the interest rates have already gone up so much. And when you look at what someone's purchasing power is, if they have, say, a 2.5% interest rate on their mortgage, and in comparison to what their purchasing power is at 5.5%, even though you may be thinking, well, three percentage points, it doesn't, you know, like on the surface of it, that doesn't sound like a lot. It is. You know, that can amount to hundreds of thousands of dollars that you lose in purchasing power. So if we are yet again going to see more interest rate hikes, I mean, where is it going to go? Some of the pundits that I follow are saying it's going to easily get to a 10 or 11% interest rate for a conventional mortgage. I mean, uh, wow. Just wow. That's, I mean, I sort of feel like that's all that I can say. I want to skip just a little further down in the article, and I'll read again. Goldman Sachs Group President John Waldron took up the theme the next day, calling the current economic climate one of the most complex he's ever experienced. The confluence of the number of shocks to the system to me is unprecedented, Waldron said, end quote. I've talked before about George Carlin and the big club. It's one big club and you and I are not in it. But when you're talking about these huge global conglomerates and financial too-big-to-fail banking institutions, there are real power brokers at those companies. People who are in the 1%, people who are in the one big club that you and I are not a part of, that get to dictate the rules to the rest of us. And if they're telling you, yeah, this is the most complex situation we've ever seen, a hurricane is coming, you know, we don't know if it's going to be a small one, you know, more like a tropical storm, or if it's going to be like Hurricane Sandy. We don't know yet, but you need to brace yourself and prepare. You know, then you have Elon Musk saying he's got a super bad feeling about the economy and he's going to cut like, what, 10,000 jobs or something from Tesla. This on the heels of his big announcement that everybody needed to come on back to the office, no more remote work. And he, and he said on Twitter, pretend to work somewhere else. <laughs> workplace, feudalism, workplace feudalism in its finest right there. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to assume that for all this time you've been at home, you've just been screwing off and having one big party, but the party's over now. Why would he feel empowered to do that? Well, it's not difficult to guess. They're telling you what's coming. They are telling you what is coming down the pike. And whether it's going to be a minor recession, a market contraction of some kind that goes on for a few months and we really, ugh, you know, we feel like we got a gut punch for six months or whether it's going to be something really bad, like the global financial crisis that went on for a couple of years. We don't know. That part is not being telegraphed to us what's going to happen. But they are telling you very clearly that something, something wicked this way comes. In the midst of this depressing news about the economy, there's this article published on LinkedIn called Time to Ditch Single-Family Homes, 
I'll also drop a link to it so you can check it out for yourself. You can see I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is real. The editor, Melissa Cantor, in the little blurb, writes, How does the housing crisis end? Some say the fix to soaring real estate prices is for Americans to give up on the single-family dream. It's a question that's playing out in real terms in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, which has a rare opportunity to build affordable housing on 536 acres it received from an anonymous donor, Time reports. But despite the link between density and affordability, many residents don't want to live in apartments or multifamily units. I would take a very, very small house, one person said during a community meeting, end quote. Also bear in mind that not long ago, there was an article published in the New York Post reporting that Goldman Sachs had bought an entire Florida community for $45 million, an entire community. It's a rental home community in Florida, and they bought this entire development for $45 million. Goldman Sachs did that. I mean, here we have this article on LinkedIn saying that, okay, well, I mean, is it possible that we could fix soaring real estate prices by you just simply giving up on the idea of having a single family home? It's almost like victim blaming, like... You know, I've talked before about my decision to strategically quit my real estate search. And one of the things that I encountered over and over again were baby boomers. I'm a Gen Xer. I don't want to get a bunch of hate mail about this. I don't walk around saying, okay, boomer and all that. In my observation, it was baby boomers that wanted to use their house as a 401k or an ATM. Some of them had made crap financial decisions and they wanted somebody else to bail them out or they just got greedy. They saw the market and they thought, oh, this is perfect. You know, I haven't saying, saved a, a dime toward retirement. I was thinking of the grasshopper that sang all summer. I haven't saved a dime for my retirement, but it's okay. I'll just go ahead and put like a million dollar price tag on my home. Now the home is actually worth about two fifty, but I'm going to put a million dollar price tag on it and then I'll have a retirement and, um, you know, so well for the guy that buys it and then gets completely screwed. Was greed involved in this inflated housing market? Of course it was. Do I think the solution to that is for everyone to just in unison give up on the single family home dream? No. I mean, can't you just sort of hear Klaus Schwab saying you will own nothing and you will be happy? When you read a headline like that, how can you not? I mean, it's the first damn thing that I thought of. If you go to the podcast episode that Russell Brand recorded, he has a an episode on YouTube there called You Will Own Nothing and Be Happy, Davos 2022, The Great Reset. And when you go to watch that on YouTube, there's this context bubble that pops up underneath it about, here, go to Wikipedia and read about the World Economic Forum because, you know, you'll be able to see that it's been the focus of conspiracy theories. And it's like, well, but wait a minute, it's not a conspiracy theory if you're using an actual quote. If the person actually said this quote, and you're just repeating the fact that they said the quote, I'm not really sure how how that constitutes a conspiracy 
theory. But anyway, you know, just all give up. Just just give up on the dream of ever owning a home. It's going to be out of your reach. And Goldman Sachs will buy up these communities and they'll start getting acreage, you know, so you can't farm anymore. They'll make sure that they scarf up all the acreage and start crapping out tract housing or apartment complexes on it. And you won't own anything. You'll live in a hovel, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> so it's like, just do not get some kind of normalcy bias and think that what has happened in the great resignation where you can job hop over and over and over and over again and constantly get these uh, exorbitant pay raises every time you jump, it's not going to happen. And I'm not saying that that it's anybody's fault. I mean, everybody looks at a situation like the baby boomers I'm talking about that wanted to use their house as a 401k or an ATM machine. People look around and go, oh, well, all right. I mean, they're doing it. Why shouldn't I? The same thing with asking for more money. Hey, everybody, there's a labor shortage. Why should I not job hop? Why should I not go pursue a better option? And why should I not get paid for it? So I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, job seekers got greedy. No, companies should not have offered a pay rate that they couldn't afford in a sustainable manner. But now we are seeing what has happened when companies got FOMO. It's sort of like somebody who bought a house at an inopportune time and they grossly overpaid for it, or they waived a home inspection. They got caught up in the fever and now they're in a house that's a complete piece of crap where everything's broken and they can't afford to fix it. Some of the companies got themselves into that same situation. They got into a bidding war over a great candidate and they paid the person a rate that they actually can't afford to pay that person in the long haul, which is scary. But I mean, I think that's where we're at. (sighs) Deep, deep, heavy sigh. So keep an eye out on what's happening in the markets. If there's any way that you can suss out, if you're in an area of the economy that's pretty stable, if you're in a company that's stable, if your position is stable, do so. I know that sometimes people really don't want to ask tough questions or they, 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 they want to just play pretend. It's almost like if I don't acknowledge that something is going on in the economy or I don't acknowledge that something's going on within this firm that I'm working for, then, then I don't have to face it. I can just ignore it. I can just go on and everything will be fine and and it'll be okay. I don't want to worry myself unnecessarily. And, and my goal in recording this emergency broadcast is not to worry you either. I don't want somebody freaking out going, the sky is falling and we're all going to die and, and it's the apocalypse. No, I don't think that at all. I do think a storm is coming and you don't have to take my word for it. You can read the, the actual power brokers of this country telling you that a storm is coming. Now, whether it's going to be a, a little tropical storm that comes and goes and, and that's okay, or whether it's going to be a super storm, you know, category five hurricane that is really, really painful for quite some time to come, that part we don't know. But please, please don't get caught off guard. If you need to talk to a professional financial planner or advisor, if you're planning to retire and now you don't know if that's a good idea, if you're thinking about job hopping one more time and you're not sure if that's a great idea, talk to a professional financial planner or financial advisor. Don't try to wing it. Don't try to hope for the best. Like really make good, sound decisions and pay attention to the markets. Now, I'm not a proponent of listening to 24-7 gloom and doom news. Playing that crap 24 hours a day will make you feel horrible. You will go into a panic mode. 
You absolutely will shift out of, you know what, I'm prepared. If a poop storm hits, I can handle it. I have some food put away. I have some money in savings. I know that I can survive. I'll be all right. My family will be taken care of. I think we'll make it. You go from preparation into, ah, the sky is falling and we're all going to die. And you're not in the space to make good, coherent, rational decisions when you're panic stricken and freaked out. Talk to professionals if you need to. Keep an eye on the market. Pay attention. Please, I'm begging you, everybody that's listening, don't be caught off guard. I'll see you in the next episode.